Welcome to the GDPR Weekly Show, one of the top five GDPR podcasts worldwide. Here is what's coming up in this week's episode. Welcome to episode 145 of the GDPR Weekly Show. And coming up in this week's episode, we have news of the NHS conducting its biggest data grab in the history of the NHS in England. We then stay with the NHS, but on a much smaller scale, we travel to Norwich where there's been the theft of a post box from outside of a GP's practice. And then we continue with the NHS as we look at news that Matt Hancock, the Secretary of State, has issued a directive to tell organisations to share data related to COVID-19. We then travel to Ireland where Home.ie have had a data breach which has exposed the documents of some 700,000 clients. And then to India where Air India has suffered a data breach. We then have news that Microsoft has announced a plan to allow cloud users to store their data in the EU. And then we have the first list of countries which have been deemed to be adequate countries under UK GDPR. And finally this week we travel to California where the first court approval was expected under CCPA following the minted data breach which we reported on here in the GDPR Weekly Show way back in episode 93. So as always, a good mix of articles for you this week. We hope you find the information useful and informative. As always, if you have any feedback for us, please do email us at feedback at gdprweeklyshow.com. We do read every single piece of feedback we receive, and wherever possible, we incorporate your suggestions for improvements into the show. Unfortunately, due to the volume of feedback we receive, it's not always possible to respond to each piece of feedback individually. Want to ask GDPR questions live? Come and join our GDPR surgery on Clubhouse, Thursday, 4pm UK time. We begin this week with news that here in the UK, the NHS is preparing for the biggest data grab in the history of the service, giving patients a little information or warning about its planned transfer of medical records from GP surgeries in England to a central store for research purposes, and with no prospect of the data being deleted. Campaigners and GPs themselves have expressed alarm that such a wide-ranging data hall is in the offing when health services and patients are still swamped by the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic and with no time really to focus on the details of data privacy. Using powers granted to it under the vital interest parts of GDPR, the NHS is giving people only the opportunity to opt out of the involuntary scheme before it's introduced to prevent the entire history of their GP visits being uploaded. It is understood that you will need to complete the form before the 23rd of June to opt out or your data held by your GP will join the central repository. According to an official announcement on the NHS digital website, data held in GP medical records will be collected via a new service called the General Practice Data for Planning and Research Data Collection. It will replace the General Practice Extraction Service which has operated for the last 10 years. The data will be used to support the planning and commissioning of health and care services, the development of health and care policy, public health monitoring and interventions including COVID-19 and enable many different areas of research. The service, it's understood, will collect data about diagnosis, symptoms, observations, test results, meditations, allergies, immunisations, referrals, recalls and appointments, including information about patients' physical, mental and sexual health. It will also collect information about data on sex, ethnicity and sexual orientation and data about which staff have treated which patient. NHS Digital said names and addresses, written notes, images, letters and documents would not be collected, nor would coded data that is not needed due to its age and coded data that GPs are not permitted to share by law. Patient data from doctor surgeries will be shared from the 1st of July 2021 unless patients opt out by the 23rd of June. 
And NHS Digital says that it is engaged with the British Medical Association, the Royal College of GPs and the National Data Guardian over the records collection. NHS Digital said the data would support a wide variety of research and analysis to help run and improve the health and care services. While this system may come as a surprise to some, it is worth noting, of course, that in Wales a very similar system to this that is now proposed has been in operation for several years. An NHS digital spokesperson said data is only shared with organisations who have a legal basis and meet strict criteria to use it for local, regional and national planning, policy development, commissioning, public health and research purposes. They added all applications for access to this data must have a health or care benefit and cannot be for solely commercial purposes. NHS Digital will not approve requests for data where the purpose is for marketing purposes, including promoting or selling products or services, market research or advertising. Applications from commercial organisations are very carefully scrutinised to ensure the purposes of any access are appropriate and benefit house and care. Requesters will only be able to access the minimum data required to meet their specified approved house and care purposes and are subject to contractual data sharing arrangements. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. We remain with the NHS and move to Norwich in the UK with a reminder that a data breach doesn't have to involve electronic data. It can involve good old pen and paper. Because this week in Housden in North Norwich, a GP surgery has warned its patients of a serious data breach after its post box was stolen off the wall by a member of the public. And in taking the post box, the person who stole it also took the repeat prescriptions inside. Practice manager Debbie Moore said staff were very sorry about the incident, which they suspect was the result of an offender planning to use the request to obtain medication for an addiction. She said all local pharmacists had been made aware of the theft so they could be vigilant to any requests. The practice also said it was working with the ICO, the Information Commissioner's Office, due to the breach of confidential patient details. Norwich Police confirmed that they had received a call from the practice at 8.55am on May the 12th to reports of a stolen mailbox from the practice in Reapham Road. It is believed to have happened sometime after 5.30 on May the 11th and 9am on May the 12th. No arrests have yet been made in connection with the incident. A spokesperson for the practice said it takes any potential data breach extremely seriously and have robust systems in place to investigate any events involving the loss of confidential information. They continued, we are very sorry that this happened and for any distress caused. We will work closely with the ICO and follow any of their recommended actions. Moving forward, the practice manager said they were looking at adding a new post box which feeds directly inside the practice so that prescriptions and other documents cannot be stolen whilst they're waiting for doctors to assess them. Explaining why the bin was outside, she said, We'd previously removed a previous bin which, which emptied inside the practice many years ago due to it being continually used by the public as a waste bin, and we believe it is now appropriate to reinstate that box. We will also be installing CCTV around the building that will capture images of the post box and the perimeters of the practice. Anyone with information regarding the theft of the mailbox should contact Norwich Police, quoting crime reference number 36-31898-21. If we receive any update on this, either from the practice, the police or the ICO, we will of course bring it to you in a future episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. Stay home, stay safe. Same with the NHS, but this time looking at a directive issued by Matt Hancock, the Secretary of State for the Department of Health and Social Care. The directive is a notification to healthcare organisations, GPs, local authorities and arms length bodies that they should be sharing their information to support efforts against COVID-19. It's understood that, that Matt Hancock issued the notice under Regulation 3, Paragraph 4 of the Health Service Control of Patient Information Regulations 2002. 
The directive requires the following organisations to process information and share that information. NHS Digital, NHS England, health organisations, arms length bodies, local authorities and GPs. There's also a specific requirement related to the UK Biobank project. These notices require that data is shared for the purposes of coronavirus COVID-19 and give health organisations and local authorities the security and confidence to share the data they need to respond to COVID-19. For patients, this means that their data may be shared with organisations involved in the response to COVID-19, for example enabling notification to members of the public most at risk and advising them to self-isolate. These notices may be extended by further notice in writing. If no further notice is issued by Matt Hancock, then they will expire on the 30th of September 2021. In a statement, a spokesman said the health and care system is facing an unprecedented challenge and we want to ensure that health organisations, arm length bodies and local authorities are able to process and share the data they need to respond to coronavirus COVID-19, for example by treating and caring for patients and those at risk, managing the service and identifying patterns and risks. They went on to point out that data controllers are still required to comply with relevant and appropriate data protection standards and to ensure that within reason that they operate within statutory and regulatory boundaries. Just a reminder that the UK GDPR allows health data to be used as long as one or more of the conditions under Article 6 and 9 are met. These are conditions under both articles that can be relied on for the sharing of health and care data, including the care and treatment of patients and public health. The spokesperson went on to say that they would expect any organisation to share information within the legal requirements set out in UK GDPR. Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com or phone us on 0800 808 5312. To Ireland now and myhome.ie has reported personal data leak to the relevant authorities. The issue, which relates to unsecured personal information on the property website, dates from 2014 and has been reported to the Data Protection Commission. It stems from customer data being uploaded to an unsecured folder on its servers in 2014. In a statement, the company said it has come to our attention that customer files which were uploaded onto myhome.ie Customer Relationship Management CRM system from 2014 were also, unbeknown to us, automatically stored in a temporary file on the myhome.ie server. This folder was inadvertently unsecured. Some 700,000 documents are believed to have been in the unsecured folders, including ID documents. MyHome.ie, which is owned by the Irish Times, has since secured the folder and has notified the DPC of the issue. There is no evidence to suggest that the data stored on this folder was accessed at any stage before this matter was brought to our attention, the company said. However, we do understand that an as-yet unspecified number of these files included personal data. It's understood that the information was discovered by a tech company called Vadix after a recent review of data available on public clouds. Vadix said it had flagged the issue with myhome.ie last month. If we receive any update on this, either from myhome.ie, the Irish Times or the DPC, we will of course bring it to you in the next available episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. To India now, and Air India has confirmed that the personal data of about 4.5 million passengers of Air India was leaked in a cyber attack on the airline's data processor, but the compromised servers were later secured. Air India, which is heavily in debt, is a member of the Global Airlines Consortium Star Alliance and said the breach involved personal data such as name, contact, passport, ticket and credit card details registered between August 2011 and February 2021. It's understood that no passwords were affected. Air India's data processor, SITAPSS, Passenger Service System, had in recent months informed the airline about a cyber attack it faced in February, following which the Indian airline investigated the matter and secured its compromised servers. 
Our data processor, SITA, has ensured that no abnormal activity was observed after securing the compromised service, the airline said on Friday. SITA, which serves the Star Alliance of airlines including Singapore Airlines, Lufthansa and United, had in March said it had faced a highly sophisticated cyber attack after which it initiated containment measures. It was not immediately clear if any of the other airlines served by SITA were affected by the incident. Asked for a comment, SITA referred to its March announcement on Saturday, adding that it duly informed Air India and that the matter remains under active investigation. For Air India, the breach is the latest headache at a time when it's trying to rein in its costs while the government seeks to sell its interest in the company. If we get any update on this from Air India, we will, of course, bring it to you in the next available episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. Want to ask GDPR questions live? Come and join our GDPR surgery on Clubhouse, Thursday, 4pm UK time. As we move towards the middle of 2021, we still await clear guidance from the EU Commission and the EDPB on the standard contractual clauses to be used after the SREMS 2 case, which resulted in the collapse of the EU-US Privacy Shield. Just a reminder that on 16th of July 2020, the EU Court of Justice issued a decision, the so-called SREMS 2 decision, invalidating the EU-US Privacy Shield and imposing tighter restrictions when using EU-approved standard contractual clauses. This ruling was driven largely by concerns regarding surveillance by US state agencies. As it is, the SCCs remain a lawful mechanism for data exports and are subject to review of the recipient country's laws, potentially adding need for supplementary measures to ensure that the personal data exported from the EU or the UK continues to be protected by equivalent standards to the ones in the EU or the UK, i.e. GDPR and UK GDPR. In the last couple of weeks, there has been action by some large companies to try and move things forward whilst we wait for the new standard contractual clauses, and on May the 6th, Microsoft announced that it was planning to support customers by enabling them to process and store all their data in the EU by the end of 2022. Microsoft is calling this plan the EU data boundary for the Microsoft Cloud. We hope to have a spokesperson from Microsoft on the GDPR Weekly Show fairly soon, and we will be questioning further on quite what the EU data boundary for the Microsoft Cloud is going to include and exclude. So listen out for that. We will announce it in due course. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. If you're a regular listener to GDPR Weekly Show, you'll know that we've spoken several times about the ongoing actions to get a EU data adequacy decision from the EU from for the UK so that data transfers can continue between the UK and the EU in both directions after the 30th of June. Well... Whilst we're awaiting that, this week the UK Information Commission's Office has announced the decisions on data adequacy for UK GDPR. And the countries which have been deemed adequate for UK GDPR are Andorra, Argentina, Canada, but only for commercial organisations, the Faroe Islands, Guernsey, Israel, the Isle of Man, Japan, Jersey, New Zealand, Switzerland and Uruguay. In addition, the UK has stated that it deems the EU as a jurisdiction which has a finding of adequacy. Under the Data Protection Act 2018, decisions relating to the making, review, amendment and revocation of UK adequacy decisions are ultimately a matter for the Secretary of State. However, prior to making a decision, the Secretary of State is required under the Data Protection Act Section 182, Paragraph 2, 
to consult the ICO and such other persons as the Secretary of State considers appropriate. This also reflects the requirement in Article 36.4 of UK GDPR for the Secretary of State to consult the ICO in these circumstances. The Secretary of State is not obliged to follow the ICO's views, but rather consider them when they're reaching a decision. The ICO explained that the process of making an adequacy decision focuses on four main areas. The first is gatekeeping. This is the program of work associated with making a decision as to whether to commence an assessment in respect of a country by reference to numerous policy factors reflecting government and UK interests. The second is assessment. This refers to the program of work associated with collecting and analysing information relating to the level of data protection in another country. The third is recommendation, the programme and work associated with the DCMS UK Adequacy Assessment Team making a recommendation to the Secretary of State who will then decide whether to make a finding of adequacy in respect of another country. And the fourth is procedural, with the work associated with making the relevant UK adequacy regulations, laying them before Parliament and any subsequent publication of the ICO's opinion. The ICO's role in the process includes providing comments and advice to the Department of Culture, Media and Sport officials to allow the Commissioner's views to be included in the recommendation to the Secretary of State and factored into his decision-making, and providing advice and or opinion to Parliament, including on the process followed and the factors taken into consideration by the Department of Culture, Media and Sport, Adequacy Assessment Team and the Secretary of State. We expect that over time this adequacy list will grow and whenever we're notified of new announcements by the Department of Culture, Media and Sport or by the Secretary of State or indeed by the ICO, we will, of course, bring them to you in the next available episode of the GDPR Week Show. And finally this week, we go to California, where although the Californian Consumer Protection Act, the CCPA, came into effect on January the 1st, 2020, and over 100 class actions referencing CCPA have been filed to date, very few of those class actions have actually made their way to court approval. That's about to change. Last week, Judge Trebia of the Northern District of California granted preliminary approval in a data breach class action involving 4.1 million potential class members, styled as Atkinson et al. versus Minted Inc. The $5 million non-reversionary settlement fund will be paid to consumers whose personal information was exfiltrated by a hacking group known as Shiny Hunters. We brought you details of this data breach way back in episode 93 of the GDPR Weekly Show. To give a little bit of history here on June 11th, 2020, shortly after the breach, putative class plaintiffs filed a putative debt class action against Minted, alleging causes of action under the CCPA, negligence and California's unfair competition law, business and professions code section 17200. What made the class action stand out is that the putative class plaintiffs partially complied with the CCPA pre-filing requirement and reportedly provided a statutory required notice of the breach and an opportunity to cure to Minted. When they did not receive a response to their notice, the plaintiffs amended their complaint to seek statutory penalties and non-monetary relief. The CCPA gives consumers a private right of action and provides statutory damages of up to $750 per violation for data breaches that allegedly result from a company's failure to implement reasonable security procedures. Less than a year after the lawsuit was filed, the parties reached a settlement which is now pending final court approval, with a preliminary approval having been granted on May the 14th this year. Although the settlement did not end up anywhere near the potential statutory range of maximum allowable CCPA damages, it includes valuable non-monetary components available to class members for their relief. In addition to the non-revisionary $5 million settlement fund, the proposed settlement requires Minted to implement certain mandatory data security measures, to conduct two cybersecurity audits, and to offer credit monitoring and personal identity restoration services to any affected US residents. 
In the motion for approval, the parties estimate that they expect participating class members to receive an estimated cash payment of $43 per person, as well as two years of credit monitoring services valued at approximately $10 per month per person. Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com or phone us on 0800-808-5312. The GDPR Weekly Show is an insurer production. Until next time. Bye-bye.